Hey, Steve Rice here, uh, coming to be able to share uh, God's Word together with you. And uh, part of Summit Church and just excited as a member of the church here to be invited by the elders and the staff uh, to be a part of a series where we're, we're sharing what God is doing, what He's challenging us with, um, ways that we're uh, hearing Him uh, speak to us uh, just during these uncertain times. So I'm excited that God has called me into that, but also given me the opportunity and the passion uh, for His Word. And so uh, today, uh, we get to dive in to a passage where we get to see when God doesn't work the way that we expect. The unexpected. What's God going to do? And so I'll ask you to, to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. But as we're turning to 2 Kings chapter 5, let's go back in time, not 1,000, not 2,000, but 3,000 years to Damascus, the capital city of Aram. You see, this Damascus was, was just to the north of Israel during the time of the kings. And so we're going to dive right in here uh, to 2 Kings chapter 5. And starting in verse 1, uh, this is what it says. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. So right off the bat, we can see Naaman, uh, the first guy coming in to the scene. Naaman isn't just a, a military guy. We would see him more as a five-star general. One of the guys, the go-to guy for the king. The king even describes him as uh, a great man in the sight of his master. Highly regarded. Now, that's just from the king of Aram's perspective, but it's also described as we're talking about the nation of Israel. Here, we have this interruption with a, a Gentile who is a, a commander, a general. And the words used to describe him were valiant soldier or a man of valor. These words are important because they were also used to describe Gideon, and David, Jeroboam, men who fought great victories for God and brought about a, a, a great and mighty victory that the people of Israel would have known, would have rejoiced in. But the unexpected, the unexpected comes in and Naaman, this man with great power and victory, has leprosy. Leprosy starts as, as just a spot. It's a skin disease that starts out and then it begins to spread. And it moves out to your hands and to your feet and to the point where your fingers, your toes might become numb. And it continues to attack your body to where you might even lose part of your fingers and toes. And it will continue to spread throughout your body to, to the place where it comes to your face and you have to cover your face because of the leprosy until it keeps invading and eventually takes your life. Now, Naaman, we see this as a story, but we also have to remember that Naaman was a man. The Bible is true, and this is about a, 
a man who truly lived. And so imagine Naaman coming home from one of his battles as he begins to shed off his armor. He can then see that he has a spot on his skin. He's, he tries to scrub it clean, but it doesn't come clean. And he watches it as the week goes on. And instead of the spot healing and getting better, the spot actually begins to spread and grow. And worry may, may have set in for Naaman. He, he bolsters some courage and one evening tells his wife, honey, I've got a spot. I think I have leprosy. And a heaviness falls over Naaman's household. Some of you may have experienced this with an illness, with a sickness, with something that may be threatening your life or the life of someone you love. Think of this over Naaman's house. Let's continue reading. In verse 2, it says, Now bands from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel. And she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. And so I, I want you to pause and think. Think of a kid in your life. Think of a, a young child, maybe in elementary or junior high. So I'm going to give you a second. Think of that, that person. What name comes to mind? Maybe it's your child. Maybe it's a niece or a nephew. Maybe it's a grandchild in elementary or junior high. Try and picture that, that child. Now, the thing is, God comes in and interrupts this story with a young girl, a young girl from Israel. And someone, someone pointed out to this young girl who the one true God is. She heard about Elisha, the prophet. She likely heard about Elijah versus the prophets of Baal, calling down fire from heaven and God doing the miraculous. She likely heard about Israel walking through the Red Sea and God delivering them from slavery in Egypt. She may have heard about Joseph being sold into slavery, then wrongfully accused and thrown into prison yet trusting in God through all of this. This young girl had someone point her to the one true God. And she stood boldly and confidently in who God is. She came and she spoke words over a household that felt the weight of Naaman's sickness and said, if only my master would see the prophet in Samaria, in Israel, he would cure him of his leprosy. A young girl held captive from Israel, pointing Naaman 
to where he can find healing? Unexpected. Unexpected. Let's read on. In verse 4, it says, Naaman went to his master, the king, and told him what the girl from Israel had said. So clearly she had an impact. He's talking to the king about what she just told him. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he took with him to the king of Israel read, With this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. What? Did you get that? See, he had already led raiding parties into Israel. So he's not going to an ally. He's not going to a friend to ask if he can be healed. He's going to his enemy. The commander of the opposing army going to the king asking to be healed. Unexpected. Unexpected. So let's see how the king of Israel responds. Verse 7, As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, He tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? So so the king knew. The king knew. And he tears his robes. Now, this isn't tearing his robes out of repentance like we see at other times. No, this is a tearing his robes saying, oh no, I'm, I'm afraid for my kingship. I'm afraid somebody's going to rip it from me. That if I do the wrong thing here, we're going to get attacked and I'm going to be out. So he's in personal protection mode, tearing his robes. But he also proclaims, am I God? Can can I heal someone with leprosy? This, this man is good as dead. Because how, how can I cure that? In his mind, there isn't a cure. And so he thinks, this, this is beyond me. But we can see how word travels fast about what happens to the king. And so in verse 8, it says, When Elisha, the man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So, Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. How many times? Seven times in the Jordan. And your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. So you see, word got out that the king had torn his robes and Elisha simply responds with, send him over here. Send him him my way. He's going to find out there's a prophet in Israel. 
And so maybe for the first time in the story, Naaman is thinking, all right, hey, we're finally getting somewhere. I'm going to go see the prophet. This is good. This is good. Now, when he goes to see the prophet, we'll see in verse 10 that Elisha sends out a messenger to him and tells him a simple message. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. But, in verse 11, but Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me, that he would stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in rage. It literally says, in rage. This is not just the little thing. This is the commander of the army throwing a fit. Angry. This is not what I expected. This is not how it was supposed to be. I make plans and people execute my plans. I came here to see the prophet. Yet he sends out a messenger and tells me to do a simple thing of go and wash in the Jordan? I I know. I've been to the Jordan. I have to cross over the Jordan to come in and and raid Israel. I've been across that. It's not nearly as clean as the rivers in Damascus. If I want to be clean of leprosy, why go in this river that is dirty? So he leaves in rage because his expectations were shattered. And sometimes God does that. But what are we going to do? What are we going to do when the things that we have, the plans, the desires that we have are broken and shattered? Let's see. In verse 13, Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? And I could kind of imagine these guys like, hey, you go ask him. Oh, you go. You. All right, I'll go. And one of them goes up and asks him, thinking, wow, if he would have asked you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? Yeah, I mean, Naaman, Naaman if, if he would have asked you to go climb that mountain, wouldn't you have done it? Yeah, I'll climb that mountain to have my leprosy cured. If you would have said, go and, and destroy that city, would you have not have done it? And your leprosy will be cured? Yeah, I would have go out, gone and destroyed that city. But he simply asks you, how much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? Simple obedience. Simple obedience. Sometimes that's what God is asking for. Can we be faithful with the small things? And so, in verse 14, so Naaman went down and dipped himself in the Jordan 
seven times. How many times? Seven times he dipped into the Jordan as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. So, so Naaman turned. He's leaving in rage and he turns and changes direction. His plans have been broken. His thoughts, what he thought, what he expected, wasn't happening. Yet he humbled himself and said, all right, I'll take this simple step and I will go. I'll dip in the, in the Jordan. And God came and met him there and cleansed his leprosy. Not just a little bit of cleansing, not a little bit, but restored his flesh so that it became like that of a young boy. Not of a 30 or 40 or or 50-year-old commander, but that of a young boy, even better than what he expected. You see, God can give us even better than our expectations, but it might not come how we expected and what we had hoped and what we desired. And when that happened, not only was Naaman's skin changed, but inside, what God was longing for is for the heart. And we can hear his response when he says, Naaman says, now I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel. He's now turned, not just his skin, but now his inside. God is cleansing from the inside out to reveal who he is and turn Naaman's heart and his affections toward him. Are you willing to allow God to interrupt your life, to break through in unexpected ways so that he can bring healing. During this season of COVID, during this time of political tension, social unrest, change, unknown, I find it easy for me to, to criticize new things that are coming out or the way the president might state something or a new, uh, a new thing being presented by the governor or maybe even by an employer or school, things that come out that just don't make sense to me or seem unnecessary or seem like they're not enough or on a personal level, maybe it's wrestling with what do I do with family members that seem too cautious and I can't spend time with them or those that seem too haphazard and what do I do with that? Or maybe even with your own spouse, not seeing eye to eye during all of this change that's taking place. 
And so during this time, it's easy for us to just state, I wish things could get back to normal. But if we're willing to reflect upon that, and as I've been challenged with the intentions of my own heart, with that question, been wondering, does, does that sound like, God, may your kingdom come? May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Or does it sound more like, may my kingdom come and my will be done on earth and in my life? You see, this desire for things to be back to normal may be just revealing that things aren't back to normal because God is still revealing to us the places that we're holding on to, the expectations that we've grabbed hold of and that we want our life to be able to move our way. So I ask you, what expectations are you holding on to? What things have you found yourself disappointed, uh, wrestling with, struggling with, getting upset or angry about that we feel like we deserve? I want you to pause and think, what is it, God, that I'm holding on to? question is, are you willing to allow the God who can do the unexpected to come in and open your hands to him and say, God, this isn't my way. This isn't happening my way. But I'm willing to offer it to you and say, God, help me to, to go your way. And the amazing thing is when we open our hands, when we open our life and say, God, I'm, I'm willing to do it your way. Jesus wants to come in and bring a healing that is not just a little bit, but it's a, a complete healing. You see, we found Naaman was called to go and dip in the Jordan River seven times and God uses the number seven throughout his word to show completeness you see in six days God worked and created the earth and on the seventh day he rested he asked the Israelites to march around Jericho six days and on the seventh day he asked them to march around seven times with seven priests holding seven trumpets and God brought about a miraculous victory. Every seventh year, Israel was called to cancel debts and set slaves free. And on the 49th year, on the seven times seven year, they were to celebrate a year of Jubilee. In this year of Jubilee, they were to give back any land that was given, that was taken, 
And they were to set anyone free who was indebted to them as a slave because they couldn't pay their debt. They were also to give the land complete rest. That means not sowing any crops for farmers living off the land. What did this mean? This meant that they completely had to trust in God's provision. This was the year of Jubilee. God was bringing about complete. Jesus comes into the scene unexpected, not the way that they were thinking the Messiah would come. And he comes and performs seven miracles on the Sabbath, healing on the seventh day of the week, people who had something that was wrong with them externally, yet Jesus longing to bring a complete healing internally. Are you willing to open your hands and see how God can bring a complete healing, even in unexpected ways? You see, this happened to Naaman. And Jesus is asking for us to come to him because anyone, therefore anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. The new has come. Let's pray. God, we pray asking for you to show us those places where our hands are closed the things that we are holding on to. And for some of us, we've been running our own life, doing it our own way. And we haven't even experienced Jesus' power to set us free from the thing that wraps us so tight, sin that grips us that wants us to do things our own way. And so today, if you're tired of doing things your own way, and you say, God, I, I don't even know what to do. Would you come to him today and ask for him to forgive you? Just pray along with me. Say, Jesus, I realize that I have been doing life my own way, holding on to things, pushing, pulling to do things my own way. And right now, I'm asking for you to come in and forgive me and to heal me. I open my hands to you I open my life to you and I ask that you would come and take this broken sinner and make me clean. Not because of what I've done, but because of what you have done, Jesus. Amen. For some of you, you've already been walking with Jesus and now the challenge is, Jesus, I've given you my life, but I'm still finding myself holding on to things. 
for you, would you be willing to open your hands and say, Jesus, I want to follow you where you're going rather than saying, Jesus, I'm going this way. Would you follow me where I'm going? So let's switch it up and say, Jesus, I want to follow you where you're going. God, we need you. And apart, apart from your power and your presence, God, we will continue to turn and do things our own way. And so God, we admit right now, we need you. And we need you um, in powerful ways to come and interrupt our lives in unexpected ways and for us to turn over and submit to you and say, God, this is for you. This is your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.